Thank you, Ashlyn. Donna, thank you. What do you do with life in the middle? What do you do in a season of dryness? What do you do when you're, you're just gutting it out or there's frustration in a relationship or at work, you're in a long season or you're in a pandemic? What do you do? As we just so beautifully heard, you start your day with nothing and you end with even less. You raise your hands. And you trust him, and as she closed, that he will come and fill you again. Somebody uh, shared a a picture with me they found on Facebook this week of the story about Mary's life. When does Mary sing? At, at, At the Advent story, when do we find that Magnificat of all that Mary shares in that song, what we believe is a song of praise to the Lord? It's not at the beginning. That's where you would think it would be. At the very beginning, something exciting, this incredible news that you will bring the Messiah, the Savior to the world, that's not when she sings. Or maybe you would think, and many of us can wrestle with that, we're anxious, we're going to wait to sing until we get to the very end, we get to the manger, we're in the birthing process, we're settled, it's happened, now I sing. It's in the middle. That's when Mary sings. Not in the excitement of the new, not when she knew that God had taken her to that place and it was done, but in the middle, by faith, she sings. When things seem hard or unsure, and as that author of that uh, devotional said, you you don't totally know where it's going, that's when Mary sings. And that's where we find Jesus in Mark's gospel. We're going through Mark 6 and 7, that middle ministry of Jesus. Many of the crowds by this point have left him. Several are coming for healings, but his disciples who loved him, that large group, after the feeding of the 5,000, they've gone away. This is tough times, and there's a whole lot, we're going to see it here today, of struggle. What do we do with life in the middle? And I'll be honest, I wanted to skip this passage. Is a long passage, it's a hard passage, but it's the Word of God, so we're going to dive in and the Lord's going to share some things with us, uh, I trust, this morning. What do you do with life in the middle? This first reminder, holding on to a vibrant life with God and with others, when we're in those middle times, we're in those tough times, it's, it's hard. and We've got to hold on and press through because sometimes of others' voices. It's a good reminder for us to know that sometimes other voices, whether it's the devil or ourselves or even friends, neighbors, they they can try to take our eyes off of our Savior. You look at Mark's gospel. He doesn't pull any punches about that. There's so much back and forth. We've come apart. We've come from a point where the whole countryside was bringing people to Jesus to be healed. All they had to do in chapter 656 was touch the fringe, the hem of his garment. We'll talk about that someday. And they were healed. But just before that, his disciples lose it again and think he's a ghost on the water. But before that, we've got the feeding of the 5,000. But then before that, we've got the killing of John the Baptist. But before that, he's got the 12 sent out. But before that, they reject him in his own hometown. It is like watching a tennis match. For for my generation, it's like watching Pong. If you're from this generation, it's a Twitter war. It's just back and forth. You get one step forward, yes, and then it's another step back. And that can be life in the middle. You're trying to do kingdom work. You're in a rough season, a long season. 
And there's always a critic. There's always a voice. And sometimes it can be ours, sometimes it can be others. I was sitting right here years ago trying to do something good. Renee was out of town. I'll do the children's sermon. And one of our girls said, do you smell something? And I tried to be cute. What do you think? It's probably one of these boys, huh? One of these stinky boys. And she says, I don't know. Did you shower this morning? So everybody <laughs> has a critic. And it's, it's been nonstop in Mark's gospel. These kinds of things, you go back to chapter 2. Read chapter 2. Whether, whether it's issues over Sabbath or fasting or he's eating with outcasts. Uh, or going back to the previous chapter, you don't let a woman with a blood issue touch you. That made you ritually unclean. And then let's just go here. Go back to the very beginning of chapter 7. If you have your Bibles open, verse 1. It says they've come up from Jerusalem to this backwood area of Galilee. It doesn't say it explicitly, but that's what it says. They've come from religion central to the backwoods to see what's happening. And verse 2 says they just happened to see, they saw what the disciples did by not washing their hands. It almost seems like they just happened to catch them. 100 plus miles from Jerusalem to this area and they just happened to see this. They didn't just happen to see. Let me tell you something. 13 years of student ministry, when I caught my senior high boys sneaking out or sneaking smokes or trying to kiss girls outside the youth program uh, on Sunday nights, I didn't just happen to catch them. Why? I'd done student ministry for 13 years. I knew to be watching those boys. And that's exactly what's happening here. If you walked or traveled 100 plus miles, they are like a hawk watching for anything for Jesus or his disciples to give them something. I'm just glad they didn't hear verse 19. They would have lost it. Because basically there, it's not the white sheet that Peter sees in Acts. Basically right here he's saying all things are clean. They would have lost their minds. It can be a relative, it can be a boss, it can be a coworker, it can be a a friend, a church member, somebody who's just pointing out, trying to get you off track, to beat you down with something that's not the main thing, and Jesus won't let them keep, he just won't let them miss the main thing. If we're going through a tough time, voices can make it an even tougher time. We get to the, where we'll go next week. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a word we see in Mark's gospel and elsewhere. It's amazing what Jesus does in the life of people. It's amazing what he does to physically and spiritually set them free. It's crazy what he's going to do next week in chapter 7. For a Gentile person? And you're arguing about washing hands. How critical it is for us to keep our eyes on Jesus and Jesus is not going to take his eye off the ball. It's kingdom work. All these healings that are going to happen right after this. Take your eye off the ball. What about this little thing? And Jesus says, watch what I do next. Be careful. Be careful with those voices. There are times, we said it this week in Pastor's Bible Study on Wednesday night. Yes, we need the voices of others. But be careful with those voices. They don't get your eyes off of Jesus and kingdom work. Now, here's, here's the heart of this, as Renee has reminded us. The heart of it is the heart. We read this passage. What do you do with life in the middle? And as your pastor, I just don't want you to lose heart. 
Jesus here doesn't want his disciples, he doesn't want any of his disciples to lose heart. They've just come from walking on the water. And how does that story end, by the way, in verse 52 in chapter 6? The disciples are still struggling in their hearts. He says, you've hardened your heart. Matter of fact, it's every other chapter in Mark's gospel. 3, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 11. Excuse me, go back to 11. Don't lose heart. Don't doubt in your heart. Your heart's been troubled. And if you believe that the end, and there's critical reasons maybe why not, but if you believe in the end, that, that the end of Mark 16 is the word, some people think that was added on later, but if you believe that is, there's people who even have their hearts hardened after they've seen Jesus, after the resurrection. What's going on here? And we've got to be careful here. Yes, we be careful with everything we do, every attitude we have, every word we say, everything that we do. But Jesus here is reminding them to be careful with what is happening in their hearts. Just keep my head down. It's a pandemic. I'm just going to do and press. And Jesus says, great. But what's going on here? Don't let this get far from I mean, we have to be careful on two reasons. First is this. These hoop-jumping legalists can come across as though they're doing it for good reasons. That they're really just, we're adding these traditions, we're adding these things about hands and other things because we just want you to keep the law. Verse 5, look with me. It was the traditions of the elders. We're doing, that sounds official, right? Uh, we're following the traditions of the elders. You get down to verse 8 and what Jesus says to them is, this, this is people stuff. You've never heard my father or I talk about this commandment anywhere in Scripture. This is people stuff that you've added on. A couple hundred years ago, four or five hundred years ago, you add the scribes, then you add all these extra hoops for people to jump through. My father never put that on anybody. Now, he is, you read Leviticus and elsewhere, God is clear about being holy. God is clear about being different. God is clear about things being pure before him. yes. This kind of stuff, this kind of tradition, be careful with traditions. You say it's about keeping the law, but it's not. It's going to break people. It's going to suffocate people. Listen, just to, do, just to get away from that, just to break tradition, this Christmas Eve, we decided as a staff, no candle lighting ceremony next Christmas Eve. I'm kidding, but, but that's, that's a tradition, right? And traditions, if we're not careful... Traditions can literally crush people. This washing hands might have been intended for good. Listen, um, let me just show you. Here's what you had to do. You had to do, to get your hands ritually clean, you had to put your hands up like this. And they had to pour a certain amount, had to be a certain amount of water over both hands like this. Well, then after they did that, you then had to do a fist could be the amount of water, but most people think you took your fist and you put it in your hand and you washed the inside of the palm and then the outside of the palm. But, but since there's been some dirt in that hand, because you hadn't cleaned this hand yet, now this hand is still unclean. So now you've got to hold this hand down, and the water had to start from the wrist and flow off the fingertips for that to be clean. But then how are you going to do the other hand? So now you've got to go to the other hand. And it's just nonstop. And it's worse than that. You hear Jesus talk about the marketplace. If you happen to bump into a Gentile at that marketplace, you had to wash, you had to totally immerse yourself when you got back home because of those terrible people, we're Gentiles, those terrible folks, you know, would cause you to get immersed. And he also talks about pots and 
Look, if a Gentile shadow fell on a pot, you had to wash that. The craziest is, you read some commentaries, they would say that if you didn't do that ritual, that there was a spiritual entity, and they give a name to it, the spiritual entity who will come after you. It's going to help our uh, preschool next week. We're going to institute that. These kids aren't washing their hands. Hey, you better wash your hands or you'll be eaten by a spiritual demon, you know. That's, that's what they believed. Or at least that's what they put on people. It's for good. And listen, Jesus, Jesus won't play that. And you go down. We didn't get to read it. I want you to go back and read the middle section. It's this issue of Corban, something that you dedicate to the Lord. I'm going to dedicate this to the Lord and it's his. Great. But here's what they were doing. They were taking honor your mother and father. Now, listen, when you and I, we go off uh, after, after a certain age and we go off for our own lives, that changes a little bit how we honor mom and dad. But scripture never releases us from honoring our mother and father throughout our entire life. Well, here's what some people were doing. I, uh, I know I have a responsibility to my parents, especially at, at end of life, to walk with them and to help them. But you know what? I've got some things I've got to pay to synagogue or temple. I'm going to dedicate this land. This is Corbin. I'm dedicating it to God. So when dad comes to me and says, I need your help right now, can't do it. I've already dedicated this land. I'd love to help you, dad. But this is Corbin. I've already dedicated it to the Lord. They were keeping something holy and not keeping another part of the word, the revealed word of God. You honor mom and dad, Jesus says, for all of life. No, I've got Corbin over here. I can disregard one part of law because I'm keeping this part of the law. And y'all, that can happen in the middle. And it also can happen, y'all, when we're just scrambling. Anybody scrambling on how to parent? Anybody scrambling on how to do friendships in a pandemic? Anybody scrambling on how to do marriage or how to care for your parents who are distant or nearby in a pandemic? Anybody scrambling as we are how to do church in a pandemic? And so the temptation can be, well, my friends are doing this over here. This sounds good. And I know it kind of disregards what the word has said here, but I'm going to pick and choose. Jesus says, you can't do that. You need a pure heart before me. But the temptation comes. And I mean this for something good. This is going to the Lord. I'm just going to go to the temple or synagogue. It's Corbin. And Jesus says, you can't pick or choose. You can't pick this little part of the law and then disregard this. This, by the way, this is top ten, right? Ten commandments. And they were even missing that. The scribes and the teachers were missing that. Be careful. In this season, this hard season, this middle season, we think we're doing good, but we're disregarding what God has been clear about in his word. I still wonder today if my father-in-law He'll tell you different reasons, and he may be watching this morning, but uh, he may have some different reasons for why he became a Presbyterian instead of a Methodist. But I think one of them might have been that his Sunday school teacher, when he was young, walked into his classroom and threw the Bible out the window and said to his class, well, we don't need that. Jesus would say, all of God's revealed word. You can't pick one over the other. And that's what they were doing. They were manipulating to get through. And again, it's a reminder, we can't do that. I understand the temptation that comes when we're scrambling and we're hurt or it's been a long season. But we've got to hold on to the fullness of God's word. 
They followed the tradition of the elders. Last thing, and this is the heart of it, and Renee's already shared it with us, so I'll, I'll be quick here. God doesn't want you to lose heart. And that's the story of scriptures. He just wants you, and he wants your heart. You hear it clearly in the prophets. You hear it almost on every other page in Mark's gospel. He wants the heart, and that's why he calls them out in such hard terms. What does he say to them here? He says in verse 6, you're hypocrites. Now, part of that understanding, you know, is that it's an actor wearing a mask in a play. I'm playing somebody that I'm not, but also the Hebraic understanding can also mean got two hearts you got two different hearts I want somebody of one heart for me and I love that Jesus won't settle for anything less and he he calls out and gets very 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 uh clear um when you get down to verse 22 and elsewhere when you see what some of these sins that he calls out about what can come out of the heart it's why we've got to watch the heart Verse 22 talks about covetous deeds, but it doesn't mean having things is wrong, but what it means in the root word is it's the accursed love of having things. When you see that word evil deeds, it's two words. It, doesn't, it can either mean an evil thing or an evil person, and the word that Jesus uses here means evil person, this desire to do harm. We get into this season, a long season, whatever it is, caring for a parent, or just a real long struggle at work, or maybe there's bumps in the road in a friendship or a marriage, and you can just say, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to do what I've got to do. And there's something right about pressing through and keeping your responsibilities. Don't mishear me on that. But what Jesus wants for us is a vibrancy and a life in our hearts, and he will not settle for less. He wants you, and he wants your heart. He wants all of you. The prophets have screamed that to the people of God, and you see it here on every other page. When we're in a long and hard season, voices are going to come. It may be your voice. It may be a friend's voice. It may be the accuser of the brethren trying to get you off track. How is that happening in your life right now? And you've got to say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm staying on kingdom purposes. That's what Jesus does here is they try to derail the activity of his disciples just coming from wonderful ministry. Maybe we don't wash our hands, but we're setting people free. How is it you and I need to stay committed to kingdom work? But also as this reminder in this story with the Pharisees and the scribes, how is it we need to check our own hearts and say, am I following traditions? Am I distorting the word to get the life I want, or am I fully hearing what God says to me in his word, and I'm obedient to that? And then most importantly, we can't miss this with Jesus. I just love that Jesus won't settle for anything less than you. He wants you. He wants your heart. Not only is Jesus on his cross forgive us, not only through his resurrection do we have hope of eternity forever, but the reminder throughout the scriptures, and you watch what Jesus says, I want to do something right here. I want to walk with you. I want to transform you. I want to free you. And he will not settle for less than that. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this this difficult word to walk through this passage together. Father, we pray that we would keep away from voices that would keep us from the things you would have us to be about. It's hard enough living in difficult seasons in the middle of, of struggle. 
so help us to be Help us to be discerning about what voices to listen to so that we can be right in the middle, right in the center of your will and in your son's kingdom work. Help nothing to dissuade us from that. Father, I also pray for many of us who are in a time of just being tired, being frustrated. And we're tempted. Uh, We're tempted to do life on our own terms to get through. So again, by your Holy Spirit, by your word, Uh, Help us to keep our priorities centered on you, that we will not let others uh, carry us away with their traditions, but that we will simply follow you. And then, then Jesus, we thank you that you want to create in us a new heart, not just just a way to live, not just a way to serve, not just a way to be other-centered, but that you would come and, and give us a new heart, a heart for you, a uh, heart of flesh, Father, a heart of, 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 of that's, that enjoys Christ. That would, re- Father, that's my prayer today. You just refresh us in our relationship with Jesus, with all that's around us. With the so- there are so many hoops we have to jump through. There are so many things we can't do right now. Would you refresh us today with a, with, a, with a refilling of your Holy Spirit, that we would know you. We would know the sweetness of your presence. We would know your filling. We would know your power. We would know your refreshment. That we would have the heart of Christ. That's our prayer. Father, we thank you for this time and your word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.